Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that has never had liquor spilled on it because, well, we just can't afford the liquor. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking related broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you a full week ahead of time because uh, Kevin Godby's on vacation. And uh, besides that, oh, I'm supposed to refer to myself as uh, as uh, Big Daddy Pumpkin Spice Yo, but uh, anyway, it's uh, it's my birthday, so I'm taking the day off. And uh, worked out good. Uh, anyway, uh, just a reminder, you must be of legal smoking age, which I am way over that now. Uh, way over that by several times. Uh, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're too young, turn it off now. Click. Okay, good. You're gone. Uh, on tonight's show, I'm going to review the McConnell's Red Virginia and uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh for my guest tonight, we'll have uh, part two of uh, Sykes hanging out with me, and then we'll have uh, music, a uh, odd mailbag, because obviously this was recorded an hour after I finished recording last week's show, uh, and then rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, don't forget, if you're coming to the West Coast Pipe Show, uh, come up to my table and tell me that I love the Pipes Magazine radio show, and you will get a free little gift. I'll also have some uh, swag for sale, and we can talk about your travel plans for maybe, uh, you know, maybe escaping the winter and uh, going on a cruise or going down to Disney World and getting some uh, warm sunshine in uh, January, February, March, April, May. Um, hard, hard for me to think about escaping the heat when we finally had a night where, uh, this past week where we got down into the fifties at night, it's the first one of the season and I'm ready to escape the heat permanently for a while. All right. So, uh, you know, and while it's cool outside, make sure and get outside, smoke your pipe, get outside, do that in front of people. All right, everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Remember last week I reviewed the uh, 30-year-old tin of three nuns? Well, this week I figured all right, the McConnell's Red Virginian. Remember, this was kind of one of my, um, uh, kind of one of my white whales. Uh, you know, I had been, I had had some of this about uh, 10, 12 years ago and had been looking for more of it. And I finally found it, found it last year at the Chicago Pipe Show, two tins of the McConnell's Red Virginia. And on the side of it, it says uh, C.E. McConnell Limited, London, England, founded 1849. It's the wholly painted lid can. So not no stickers on it, no appliques, no nothing, just the painted lid, small 50-gram round can. Uh, and that was, the, that was exactly what I was looking for. So we've, you know, especially from, from talking to Alan, we know that McConnell's has gone through some movements and changes and stuff like that, but I wanted to get a hold of this again because I had had a tin of it before and it kind of ruined my palate for a while. Well, this one I opened up and I, and I opened it up the same time as we uh, opened up the, the three nuns. So, uh, this one opened it up and it, it was absolutely a magnificent smell when you opened up the tin. And again, it's one of those rounds, which I was impressed that after all these years, this is probably 25 years old. 
after all these years, it was still perfectly moist. And in fact, this was actually uh, too moist and benefited from me airing it out and letting it dry down a little bit. Uh, but the smell was just wonderful. It, it was that sweet, rich, uh, ripe Virginia's, not a hint of that hay or grass smell. Uh, what I did notice, and I'll, I'll jump, I'll, I'll fast forward a little bit on this. Uh, what I did notice with this was my, my initial instinct was to put it in a, uh, in one of my smaller pipes. Cause during the, during the warm summer months, I smoke a bowl or two of a straight Virginia, sometimes, uh, McCraney's red ribbon, sometimes esotericus Tilbury. Uh, I like the, uh, Amphora original, you know, I'll bounce around I'll open up a tin and I'll smoke a bowl every morning for, yeah, until I run out of that tin. Uh, but this one, I put it in one of those smaller pipes that I normally would have smoked my morning red Virginia in, and it was a little bitey. Uh, it 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 fought with me and kind of uh, kind of fought back. So I had to so I had to tweak it a little bit and find a pipe that it worked in. Well, surprisingly, it worked in a larger size pipe. The, it seemed like of my, you know, of my group uh, three to group five sizes, it was working better in a group five than anything else. And when I mean better in a group five, I mean it was working, you know, fantastic in a in a group five pipe. Um, again, once I got the moisture level correct on it, it was smoking cleanly and coolly all the way down, and not a bite in the bowl at all, but it was, I was surprised that, you know, it needed that bigger, it needed that bigger bowl to have the sharpness of the red Virginia's kind of round off. And I was surprised that after 25 years of aging or so, that it still had that sharpness. Now that sharpness kind of led me to think, well, maybe the next tin that I've got is not, you know, is going to be the same and it's not quite as, um, fantastic is what I thought it was going to be but I know going forward when I open that next tin which will be maybe next summer uh yeah I know that I'm going to go directly into a group four group five size pipe so proof in the pudding of uh you know keep trying different pipes on uh, on different tobaccos different size pipes on different tobaccos uh I had a a couple of different pipes that I have from different makers that worked even better with it. So I just kept trying and moving it around. Uh, cost comparison. <laughs> I spent $75 on each tin on these. So, you know, yeah, obviously less expensive per bowl than what the three nuns was. Uh, will I look for more? Yeah. And if I can get them at the right price, I will continue to look for more. Uh, and remember, McConnell's went through a couple of transitions. So you want the ones that are the uh, at least the painted lids and at least, say, made in England. There was a period where it was made in Denmark and in Germany. I'm not familiar at all with those. Uh, the current production, I'm not, you know, can't say what it's like because I don't know. Haven't smoked it, but it uh, it should be should be interesting. Um but again, let me let me just say that, you know, don't give up on a tobacco because you've tried it in one of your favorite pipes or one of your usual pipes and it didn't work out. Keep toying with it. Again, I adjusted the moisture level. Uh, <laughs> I had an interesting uh, had an interesting bowl of it earlier today, had the final bowl of it, and I only had enough to get it into to fill up one of my smaller pipes and. Yeah, I probably should have taken that and tried just doing half a bowl in one of my bigger pipes. But there you go. McConnell's Red Virginia. I've got one more tin. And if I find them again at the right price, again, I'll pick them up. Comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. And in just a minute, uh, story time with Sykes. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. 
We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes autumn evenings so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. All right, we are back and we will jump right into this. And remember, this was when uh, Sykes was uh, hurricane stranded here in Charlotte with us. And we were uh, staying up late smoking really good tobaccos. And these are some of the conversations that we recorded. So I mean, one of one of my favorite memories of working together was the uh, was the tenth anniversary party that we did at the Chicago Pipe Show for Smoking Pipes's tenth anniversary, and uh, it, I I'm not I, I've slept since then, so I'm not quite sure exactly how the chain of events happened, but we wanted to do something special for the tenth anniversary. We wanted to do it at the Chicago Pipe Show. Uh, do you remember how we ended up with the three-hour-long open bar? I'm I I don't remember exactly. I remember thinking we should do something special, and the only logical place w to do it was was in Chicago. So we reached out to the club, and uh, there were there were two events. There was sort of an industry event uh, that was a, a dinner, and then there was an open to the public event, which we did in the tent on Saturday night. Uh, and and the club was down with us, <laughs> springing yeah. for an open bar on Saturday night, uh, and we did. A, it was an open bar and heavy hors d'oeuvres, and we did a band. Yep. Yeah. Um, my most vivid, vivid memory of that party was uh, uh, Peter Heeshan and uh, Patty Tarler dancing with Patty yeah. in a wheelchair, um, and that uh, was it was fun. The 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 funniest moment of that was I escaped for. <laughs> I escaped from the tent. The tent was packed, and it was smoky, and it was hot. And I escaped from the tent for five minutes just to walk outside and, and get, get some air. Yeah, get some yeah. air, cool off for a minute. And I'm walking clockwise around the tent, and here comes Brian, <laughs> the other person in charge of putting on this event, walking counterclockwise around the tent. Um, to say it was smoky was an understatement. Um, uh, I mean, it, it literally, I think everybody except for there had to be three, four, three thousand people in that tent, all smoking, drinking, dancing. We had well, we had a little projection of some of the the, the company logo going on up above on the pictures on, of pipes and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And and it was literally so smoky that that's one of the few times in my life where I had to leave a building or leave an area to go out and get some fresh air. And I thought, well. I'll sneak out the backside here and nobody will ever notice. And I walk around and <laughs> there you are <laughs> sneaking out. And yeah, that was, um, but still to this day, I still have people come up to me and say, boy, I remember when you guys did that party and there was like free booze everywhere. And, uh, and even the, the couple of years afterwards, Nick, the bartender, remember him? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, tipped him kind of in advance and told him what I wanted and he took care of everything and we had three bars going in there Nick was so happy with us that I didn't pay for too many drinks for like years afterwards with Nick <laughs> it was it was a good night for them yeah 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 uh, and I and uh, nobody's ever figured out a way to top that kind of an event. I mean, there's yeah, there's some nice things that go on now in the uh, what is that 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 family suite that's way mm -hmm. the heck down at the end of the building, uh, and that's kind of cool. But yeah, that was fun. Um, that was that was a good night. And and for I mean, years afterwards, people asked when we were going to do it again. And uh, uh, you know, for the 15th anniversary, like surely you're doing it the 15th anniversary, and I I figured we'd hold off for the big round. <laughs> the big round tens. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still uh, another you well, year after next. We have to figure out something. I think there may still be people recovering from that night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I remember Teddy Knudsen showed off some pretty impressive dance moves on the oh yeah on the dance floor that night too. Yeah, there was there was uh, 
Teddy and and well Peter and Patty and it was it was pretty funny. It yeah. Was, yeah. I, I mean, it's also not hard to convince some you know some Danish people to come to a place where the bar is free. No, that's a. I, I, it's actually pretty remarkable. We didn't get the rest of Denmark to show up. <laughs> the, the entire country. Um, you, you know the. I guess the other thing that. Um, yeah. You know, so one of the one of the parts that I really miss about working at Smoking Pipes is seeing all the old pipes that come in and as the estates because I like the I like the history I like the historical I like honoring the. Yeah, honoring the the past pipes and where we got to and. Uh, you and I got put into a deal together with by Rick Newcomb somehow that started the and Marsha Kramer. The, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you tell your end, I'll tell my end. But still, you know, this happened what a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah, I think two years ago, right? Um, yeah, and and you know, still to this day, it's one of those things that I look back on and think, wow, cool. I was, you know, I was a very minor part of that, but. Yeah, it was a fun project. Yeah. Um, so, so from from my perspective, and I don't remember exactly in order of the order of things, um, but uh, Marsha, uh, who of course Marsha Kramer ran Kramer's ran Kramer's in um, Beverly Hills. Beverly right? Hills. Yeah. Um, you know that part of the world better than I do, Brian. Yeah. Um, for decades, and uh, she knew Rick Newcomb, of course. And uh, she wanted to, uh, and of course, Kramer's has, has subsequently closed. Yeah. Um, she wanted to perpetuate. At the time, she was she was concerned that closing might be in their not too distant future, but but was not certain of anything. And the FDA was coming down the pike. And yeah. And if if she wanted to do it, she was going to have to do it sooner rather than later. She wanted to to uh, maintain that that tobacco brand. Um, and particularly, you know, the blend for Cary Grant and Father Dempsey and, and the blend for Cary K, uh, uh, Danny K, Danny K, excuse yeah. me. Um, and, uh, and she just didn't want to see, you know, her family's legacy of, of being a tobacconist in, in LA for, you know, however many decades. Yeah. 1949, uh, I think is when they opened. Okay. So 60, 65 years. I mean, that's, that's, that's quite the legacy. So she didn't. She didn't want to see the the tobacco disappear, and so she reached out to Rick, and and Rick reached out to me, and said, you know, there's this person named Marcia Kramer who I, I sort of distantly knew, um, that that has this uh, tobacco brand, and is this something you'd be interested in manufacturing? And he was talking about Cornell and Deal manufacturing it at the time. And and the problem with with picking up tobacco brands and moving them from factory to factory is that you know you have different house styles, you have different manufacturing methods, and and uh, uh, you know the, the the tobacco changes. And she had been using, for the most part, uh, a lot of Sutliff components uh, yeah. to to blend those tobaccos. So they blended them at the at the store, but they used um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, different components that that Sutliff manufactured. And so at that point, I grabbed Brian and said, okay, we need to, <laughs> um, at least this is how I remember it. You may have been yeah. sucked in earlier by Rick. I can't, I can't recall, but, and, uh, and we may have, we may have brought it, Rick may have taken it to you and said, this is what we're going to do. Cause when Rick gets on a, uh, when Rick gets oh, yeah, on a it's project, Rick is unstoppable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but my, my history with Kramer's goes back to when I was at the Dunhill store down the street on Rodeo Drive. I used to take my breaks and occasionally go up to Kramer's and sit with her mom and sit there and smoke and talk for my lunch break. So so you knew, I mean, when you, you knew Marsha much better than I do, it did at the start of this process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, when it, when it came time to, all right, how do we do this? And sure, you know... Yeah, the the components were there, but the recipes were, yeah. Marsha had those. Marsha had those. Yeah. Uh, but again, it was like, all right, we got to figure out a way to secure this legacy and keep these, you know, these. I I guess they probably you know originally meant as house blends, but unique boutique kind of blends mm-hmm. going and. Uh, 
Yeah, and that's part of the that's part of the fun of being in the industry that we were able to do that. And now you have the recipes and are able to package it and keep the history going and But it was it was fun because I mean it was a a bunch of not to get businessy for a second, but it was a sort of interesting combination of like regulatory problems and tobacco sourcing problems and um, and I mean problems by like just things to solve, not that they were they were fundamental problems Um, and being able to work uh, uh, with with you, Brian, at the time you were you were at Sutliff, being able to work uh, on it with you meant that we could actually pull all of these pieces together where no one person could have been able to to make yeah. this happen uh for the kramers uh for for marcia kramer um and so it was a it was a lot of fun pulling all that together and she was very happy i remember marcia's expression or her i i think i got a phone call from her the first time she saw her dad's blends in a can with a label of artwork on them she was just yeah it, it, it was it was a, it was an emotional moment for her to you know know that her dad's legacy was continuing she was she was pretty happy yeah and she's still a sweet lady and you can occasionally see her on uh, modern family because she's got a reoccurring part where she works in the uh, raincoat factory so i think she's done eight episodes of modern family oh i didn't realize it was it was i i was dimly aware that that she'd been in one but oh she that continued yeah yeah Yeah, she's still doing that um and (laughs) And through her connections, I actually was able to reach Richard Sherman, which is a you know, big name in Disney music, um, you know, my favorite Disney music. But uh, so we're, we're still kind of working on that. But there you have two of my favorite stories. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back with more story with, with Sykes. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com and we are back on the pipes magazine radio show a week pre-recorded but uh here we go part two of today's uh, installment of stories with sykes uh you've also got your hands in the legacy of a whole nother deal that had nothing absolutely to do with me because i'm done uh but you've got how old is Peterson now? One hundred and fifty-three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was at the hundred and fiftieth party. As was I. We were both there in, in Dortmund. In Dortmund. Um, there's Irish dancing videos of me somewhere after the party moved out to the bar. How did I miss you, Irish dancing? You went to bed at a reasonable hour and were sane. Oh, okay. I was boring, uh, is what you're saying. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, all right, I'll tell on the on the radio show that night. The first, the the first, the first time ever. Uh, my daughter had overslept that morning and missed the bus for the marching band trip. the The college marching band. She was a freshman. The college marching band was going up to Annapolis to play at the Navy game. Had she missed the game, she would have failed the class period you miss a marching band performance without a hospital doctor's note you miss it she overslept so between my wife and i and my daughter and i'm in germany my wife's here in north carolina my daughter's at school we figured out a way to get her in a taxi from greenville north carolina to raleigh get a plane ticket from raleigh to washington reagan national and then get her a town car to meet her at the baggage claim area at washington reagan 
to get to the football stadium off the naval base which is very lucky that the football stadium for the navy is not inside the base she got there she was there uh right at the beginning of the second quarter of the football game and did not miss halftime so the band director just marked her down one grade instead of failing her oh well now when you're a father and your daughter is doing all this flying traveling planes trains and automobiles to do all this and you're over in a foreign country and all you have is you know facetime and a computer and emails and the occasional phone call once i knew that my daughter was safely at the football game that was approximately eight o'clock in germany i decided that i was fine and what a day it had been so you had fun at the Peterson party. I had fun at the Peterson party, and it ended up with me Irish dancing in the bar afterwards with the Irish dancers and the musicians that Peterson brought in from Dublin just for the party. So that's how that happened. All right, I hijacked the whole thing. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Laudisi, which, you know, maybe can we tell, before we do this, can we tell the story of where the name Laudisi came from? Oh, it's there's not a lot of story to it. So, so uh, Luigi Pirandello in the I don't remember the exact year, uh, 1917, 1918, 1919, something like that, uh, wrote a play called Right You Are If You Think So, and the principal character in this play was named Laudisi. Uh, and I had just read this play, and I had to have a name for the company that wasn't Smoking Pipes because I didn't want it quite so closely tied to the to the website brand. Um, and uh, I grasped at something at random and put it down on a piece of paper. And, <laughs> and many people since then have attributed all sorts of insight or, or some, some profound thinking on my part. There was none. Um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> I, I will name the company the last word that is in my head now. More or less. More or less. Yeah. More or less. All right, so all right, so we fast forward. So anyway, but Laudisi is is the company that that runs yeah. Smoking Pipes and Laudisi Distribution Group with distribution business in the U.S. for Seven L and Cornell and Deal and, and and owns Cornell and Deal, um, and our shop in in South Carolina and now of course owns uh, Cap and Peterson in uh, in Dublin, the factory, the shop, and and hopefully fairly soon Smoking Pipes Europe will be up and running too. So that means that you are what the technically the fourth or fifth owner. I mean, uh, we're the fourth or fifth. I think we're the fifth owner of of Cap and Peterson. Um, I, 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 I it gets a little muddy there in the early part of the twentieth century. So I'm not I'm not exactly okay. sure. Do you actually own the patent for the system pipe now? Well, the patent expired about oh. a century ago. <laughs> um. So so the the short answer is is. I, actually, I don't know. Can you do you still own it, and it just doesn't have any value? I, I don't know how that works. Do you have the original patent filing? Yes, somewhere we have the original patent filing. Can you bring it to like a pipe show or a trade show and let people see it? I uh, I don't I don't know. I don't I I is these it, are these are complicated questions I haven't sorted out yet. Is it written on parchment that if it's exposed to air, it automatically turns to dust now? No, no, but it might be. It's it's sufficiently old that they probably put it on vellum. <laughs> So, <laughs> Probably not, actually. Um, are they still using? Are they still using machinery? The what's the oldest piece of machinery in the in the building that you know of? You know, I don't really know. Um, I mean, thirties, forties, fifties. There's some. There's some older equipment. I mean, this stuff lasts pretty close to forever um if it's if it's maintained um there's some newer equipment and some older equipment they've got you know it's a hodgepodge of stuff that's been replaced over the years or needs changed and they wanted to do something slightly differently so they replaced a piece of equipment electricity was invented well no they 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 had electricity (laughs) at the at the beginning of the 20th century maybe well not in 1865 so i presume it was yeah all hand all hand cranks and uh, steam whistles Probably water powered or something. I would imagine. That, I don't. I these are things I haven't unpacked yet. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. But I mean, what a, you know? Again, it, it, you know, respecting the heritage, the legacy of it. it you know, there's got to be shape charts and stuff that are really old and and fun to play we've been, with. We've and, been digging through a lot of that, Josh especially. Um, and and Josh is particularly Josh Burgess is particularly well equipped for this because he has a. 
a doctorate in early uh, uh, early American history. So he's a colonial colonial. He does work on colonial America. That's better. Um, so, so that qualifies him for the uh, for eighteenth uh, and nineteenth century Irish. Documents. Yeah, whatever. He's closer than the rest of us. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, so, so Josh is is also leading up the entire European business from Dublin, um, both the Peterson side and the Smoking Pipes Europe side. So he's been digging into a lot of this stuff uh, with a lot of help from from Mark Irwin, who of course is the foremost Peterson yeah historian um, cataloger. Um, in in the world, and we've had him on the show, and we're I guess we're still waiting for his book. That his book is imminent. Yeah, it's we are very close. Um, so uh, so he's been talking with Mark a lot. He's been looking at old catalogs. Um, some of the things we want to do over the next couple of years uh, are are really just revisiting old shapes, but making a a real concerted effort to to get those shapes right, um, get the stems for those shapes right. Um, you know, with with the constraints of the modern of, of, yeah. of what's possible today, and also uh, within the constraints of, you know, these days all Petersons have have acrylic stems, um, and so well, not all, almost all, not the church wardens, um, and so uh, you know, with within those constraints, being as true to Peterson shapes and and manufacturing practices as we can be uh, from the beginning of the twentieth century, and you and you're keeping. I mean, except for except for the the yeah, except for Tom Palmer, you've kept the entire staff there, and yeah, I mean, Tom, Tom left, of course, upon upon the transaction, um, and then Connor is is sticking around to help us with the transition uh, for another really only another couple, three four weeks, something like that. Um, but the rest of the staff uh, didn't didn't change with the with the with the transition. Yeah. So again, you got the you got the institutional memory, you got the the legacy of it, and. And speaking of institutional memory, I mean, there, there are people who work at Peterson who have worked at Peterson longer than I've been alive. Uh, <laughs> Which used to be something when we first met. Now it's nothing. Now you're now you're old. Now now yeah 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 you, yeah you know, we're not the young guys in the room anymore. No. Um, I, any any you know any any ideas that you have for new Peterson products, or is it still too early because you're just kind of figuring out you know i mean yes we have ideas uh we have a what we think is a really cool idea for saint patrick's day next year um but i'm not going to talk about what it is just yet Uh aha uh we have uh, a bunch of pipe of the year ideas and that's that's more where we're talking about going back to old catalog because we have a lot of freedom in the shaping there um so going back to old catalogs for for pipe of the year stuff um that's that's been something we've looked at um really um you know we we also want to just d- d- emphasize some core lines we want to do more with the Sherlock Holmes line um we want to you know there's going to be sort of a process and and of of sort of tidying up the range um and uh and giving ourselves a, a you know sort of new platform for for being able to do some new things over the next few years that we're we're in the midst of now. Does does Peterson have like a sample of each pipe or series or finish that they did? Did they keep one of each pipe or not really? I mean, shapes, just, yes. Um, in in some cases, uh, so there's there's a shape board with the core range, um, but it's not complete across the uh, across the life of the company. Most of what we're working with is is old catalog. Uh, images and and i'll i'll kind of leak it here that one of the things that we've been talking about and there's no details of it is uh you know coordinating maybe a trip to dublin for a bunch of guys to go and uh visit the peterson factory see the peterson store because you also uh that's also part of part of the business uh and you know maybe sit on grafton street and drink a guinness and uh watch and then go kiss the blarney stone so uh stay you know stay tuned for that but we don't know you know that's one of those that, that may turn into one of uh, one of those brian ideas that sounds really good on paper but when you start to really put it down into words and figuring it out it becomes a um well you know a mickey mouse idea <laughs> well we're a game if you want to organize it 
Yeah, and uh, the city of Dublin has uh, the city of Dublin has one of the four unique uh, Disney stores in the world where there's merchandise created specifically for that Dublin Disney store. I have walked past it many times and thought of you every time as I walk past. And you have a two-year-old son, so now you have an excuse to go in and shop for stuff for him. No, I don't really. <laughs> no, but he no. <laughs> I I also want to kind of tell tell some stories on you because when when I worked there, we were kind of well. I I, I think I kind of bordered line on relentless with some <laughs> with some gags and things that we used to do to you and your pipe rack, especially when you'd go away for a while. Um. Included in it was uh, there was one point where you were you had used one pipe cleaner to the point where it was completely black and had run out. So you would get up and go walk to somebody's desk that had pipe cleaners on it and take one more and then go back and either lose that or use it until it was black. So one time when you left for a while, I remember we spaced out every one of your your pipes on those. We had those big, huge racks that were that some locals were making. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know where my rack that has been in my office since those days came from. Yeah, it was. It was sort of a hand me down in the office, and I don't know originally where it was bought or anything. Uh, Might have come in on an estate batch, uh, possibly. But, but it was it, so we. So one of the things we used to do is goof around with your pipe rack and put odd things in it. Uh, there was one time in particular where I took every other, took the pipe, spaced them out every other pipe. We'd turn them in different directions. And then I put a pipe cleaner in the spaces that were empty. So that you had pipe cleaners up there. Um, there's one, one of the things that I found um, interesting was there was a, one of the few pop references uh, that you connected with was Star Wars. Oh, sure. And in particular, I... There was a happy meal that one of the one of the moms brought in with one of their kids or something and it had a Millennium Falcon wind up toy you know from Star Wars and we put that on your pipe rack. It's it's still there and, almost 10 years later. And, and it's still there so um, uh, you know it's it's like Yeskanovich, Tokotomi, Nana Everson, Millennium Falcon <laughs> yeah, makes, K Goto. Didn't you have a brass monkey-headed pipe or something? From, it was a weird Belgian soldier. I, I we decided it was Belgian. We don't actually know, but <laughs> that that came out of we we found you and I found that together in an estate that we no that was the Aaron Spelling estate. That, yeah, that and it had a little Dutch uh, a little Dutch shoe pipe in that yeah. estate too and i think that yeah but that brass pipe ended up on your racket yeah it's still there <laughs> all right so so i have a collection of of serious pipes <laughs> like like serious serious pipes i have a collection of weird stuff people have put on my rack over the years and now that you import a brand and you uh, and the you know and the company owns a brand um, right now you're smoking a Savinelli that I'm not familiar with the shape, but what is it? Um, I'm smoking a Savinelli 105 shape, which is their, their the smallest billiard in, in their uh, uh, in their shape chart. And this started when they did, this started for me when they did the, uh, the Petite series. I don't know, that was four or five years ago. Um, which was a, a project that I was excited about because it was you know, smaller pipes and I've always smoked smaller pipes. And um, uh, so they they did this series of of some shapes that were smaller versions of of existing shapes and some shapes that were just small shapes that hadn't really been manufactured a whole lot in in recent years. And um, and I thought that was great. And I started buying these and uh, and it sort of spiraled. I started chasing down (laughs) all the 7LA-105, you know, pipe collector fashion as we want to do. You know, you start chasing down all the... uh, uh, all the finishes that a shape comes in, and uh, I, the 105 is a challenge because because it really hasn't appeared in many things, um, so I probably have I don't know 15 of them, um, but uh, but that's been it's been a sort of a departure for me because I I had a, I still do and still smoke a lot of of um, you know high end artist artisan pipes because that's business wise what my background 
was for many years yeah, and, sure. and also, you know, what something I'm deeply enthusiastic about. Um, but this has been fun too. Uh, you know, just going and, and trying to get all of the, <laughs> all of the seven LE. And, and then you, and this one's got the one I'm looking at right now. has got a really cool kind of a yellowish stem. So I guess you could coordinate it with like whatever shoes you're wearing for the day. Cause I, my socks, I try to coordinate with my socks. I, I like it. Yeah. yeah. So this, this happened, this pipe happened, uh, uh, earlier this year. I don't know whether it was my idea or their idea. Um, but when I was there, uh, we got talking about maybe doing uh, the Jubileo Doro uh, pipes with colored stems, um, which I thought was the coolest project ever. I, I thought it'd be a lot of fun to do, you know, high-end 7 uh factory shapes um, with just whatever random cool acrylic colors they had they had around. <laughs> and they have lots from all their series, but and also from, you know, the tampers that they make and all that stuff. So I thought that, you know, this would be a blast. Um from a commercial standpoint, I I think I I wasn't quite alone in thinking this was really cool, but but <laughs> it's a very very small group of us that thought it was really cool, um, based on uh, based on how many we've actually sold. Uh, but uh, out of this, I asked them to make uh, two or three um, Jubileo smooth and sandblast um, uh, one hundred five shapes with with some of my favorite. Uh, <laughs> 7LA acrylics and so I had them making you know there's this cool orange color I have no idea what it's from um, <laughs> that, that I saw I'm like making one of those and, and then and then this yellow was originally used on um, uh, one of their uh, unfinished uh, rusticated pipes and I don't remember which one now um, and then they had a, a fantastic green that they used for another project and I was like using doing this from all over <laughs> And they put up with me. Um, <laughs> Just keep buying pipes. We'll make you this one special one with all these f weird colors. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, they're they're kind of indulgent. They're they're really nice to me. Um, so, uh, so so I have now a handful of these with uh, with different colored stems. <laughs> and you're actually smoking the which one the, the Brunello flake. Yeah, I'm smoking Seven Only Brunello right now. Um, I I smoke a lot of different stuff. I'm uh, and I'm I'm not a, a one blend. I'm I'm sort of a one blend at a guy at a time kind of guy, but not. Yeah. Um, I have not a lot of of blend loyalty, so I smoke. These days, I'm smoking a lot of Seven Only Brunello. I'm smoking a lot of Cornell and Deal Sunday Picnic. Um, some GLP's Cairo. Um, I haven't smoked my my two mainstays over the last fifteen or. 20 years have been um, usually had a uh, Joe P's had delight and uh, uh, NC Peterson Escudo and I haven't smoked a lot of those lately but I'm sure I will revisit those before terribly long I've also been smoking a lot of Carolina Red Flake which is uh, a pretty famous for good and not so good reasons because our first run of it was was not a rip-roaring success yeah now, now time out because we're gonna we're gonna rewind a little bit and then fast forward on that because I, I want to say that one of the one of the hard things when I was at smoking pipes was you know I wanted to be familiar with as many of the tobaccos that we sold as possible and now that's just ballooned since then so you even then it was probably eight hundred yeah so different you, tobaccos so you've only got you know twelve fifteen hundred things to select from at a given time while you're working there. Um, and I guess you, if they, if you took a tin off the shelf, they wouldn't yell at you too badly. No, probably not. I mean, unless I failed I, to to account for the inventory change, in which case there would be a handful of people who'd be mad. At me. I I would have because I knew when I was there, when you were walking through the warehouse or shipping or the store, that we had somebody watching you to see what you put in your pockets, and and we also had to keep an eye on your coffee cup too because it would get left behind. Um. I, I that's when I switched to paper cups because when they got left behind they didn't work. Uh, they could just throw them away because I would leave them everywhere. I, I've had to get I've had to get bigger better about that now that the warehouse is a, is a lot bigger. I can't leave <laughs> random coffee cups in a you know yeah. the the warehouse part of the building is probably eighteen thousand square feet. We <laughs> coffee cups get lost forever in eighteen thousand square feet. <laughs> yeah, never once have they ended up being shipped in an order accidentally though. No, no. no. Um, so you brought Red Flake here with you, and the reason you're here now is because you're 
home is under mandatory evacuation in the hurricane zone. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm up here with uh, my wife and son and seven cats. And seven cats, and they're all hanging out here at my house, and we're, we're having as much fun as possible under a hurricane. Um, the cats are actually behaving very well. They don't, they don't smoke that much. No, they don't smoke that much. They're they're reasonably well behaved, and we did put them in the garage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the most important things in my life go in that garage. My car is in there, and and your wife's cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you and Dale were very kind to not only invite us uh, invite us up here, but. Uh, I guess up. We're sort of lateral, but but geographically up, yes. topographically up. Yeah. Um, invite us up here uh, to uh, escape well, the. We're six hundred and eighty-seven feet above sea level. Yeah, we're thirty. Yeah, yeah. And, and this kind of goes back to it was it was kind of funny for, at the beginning, but then it was kind of annoying towards after a year of it when I left smoking pipes and opened up Brigham, I had endless people coming up to me and going. You and Sykes okay? I mean, is everything fine? Is, is everything good? I mean, to the point where I think the second Chicago Pipe Show, I grabbed you by the arm and we walked arm in arm. You made me hug you in the middle of the Chicago Pipe Show. We walked arm in arm up and down the aisle together just so that everybody would see that we were fine. And the and the fact that you still hate me so much that yet you were willing to bring your wife's cats here. <laughs> well, we, you know, our options were limited. No, um... <laughs> Uh, no, we've been friend, friends for almost 10 years before you came to work at Smoking Pipes. Yeah, and, and most people really do like me better after I stop working for them. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really the truth. But yeah, So when you showed up, you brought a tin of the Carolina Red Flake and then another tin, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this Carolina Red Flake is kind of, uh, it, was, it was tin just for you. More or less. I mean, we this this particular run, we had a like a tail of an extra run that we didn't have labels for, and we're like, what are we going to do with it? And none of us had gotten to buy some in the previous run, and we're like, okay, we're just going to like use this little tiny run just for us. Um, so I bought some, Ted bought some, Shane bought some, Jeremy Reeves bought some, I think Jeremy Wills bought some, like you know, just a handful of us and and others too. Um, we just got together and made a little tobacco <laughs> run just for ourselves. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's something to be confessed to or not. That sometimes you know when you have a tobacco factory and you smoke a pipe, you just you do you, stuff like that. you legally and manufacture a product and you sold it to a very small demographic. Yeah, that's that's really it. Was just uh, that's all it was. Like it's legal. Yeah. It's le- like labeled legal for sale. Obviously, because oh, yeah. we we had to um, and and do all that. But uh, but we decided to just put fun labels on it and make it for ourselves. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but we will be doing another run of Carolina Red Flake um, at scale. Um, like basically, we had too few tins to sell, and and. Yeah, it was just like, what, what What? do we do with these? So we'll do a small run for ourselves. Um, it was already in tins. It was basically overage from, from a previous run where we had managed to excellently manufacture more tins than we had labels for. Um, so so we just did it. Did the tin that I brought with <laughs> me that we've been smoking, uh, we, just, we just made it up for ourselves. But we do have a proper run uh, happening probably. It's not in production yet. Um, and as of as of right now, nothing's in production. Yeah, as of right now, nothing's in production. By the time by the time people hear this radio show, probably we'll all know what's going on. But but right now we're yeah. So it, it's something I'm looking forward to, especially after smoking it for breakfast a couple of times. And I will interrupt the stories right there to tell you that uh, uh, I'll let you know on the on the radio show as soon as it comes out. Right after I order some of mine. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, more one more. One more seg, one more show's worth of story time with Sykes coming up in a future episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Remember, if you have comments or questions, email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you or you can go to pipe the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com and leave a comment there. Follow me on Facebook, or and while you're on Facebook, give the Pipes Magazine radio show page there a like. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. 
That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. And I am back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and as my new name is Pumpkin Spice something. Um, all right, for music, <laughs> I've always had a, a great affection for the Peanuts gang, including Snoopy and Charlie Brown and all that. Um, and I've always enjoyed the music too. And so with the, uh, with Halloween being, uh, coming up upon us and, uh, my, my wife wanting to decorate with pumpkins and stuff. Well, for music, we're going to the Vince Garaldi trio. Not sure if anybody smoked a pipe in the trio, but maybe they did. And this is the great pumpkin waltz. Everybody seen the uh, the the peanut special, the Great Pumpkin? It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah, Linus hanging out, waiting for the Great Pumpkin to come, and well, the, that's the that's the Great Pumpkin waltz from that show. You, Daddy, has an email. In the mailbag, just one thing to go over, and it's uh, Jeff from New Jersey writes. If you were hanging out with a cigarette smoker and wanted to have a quick smoke with him, would you smoke a very small pipe? If so, any recommendations? Or would you smoke a normal pipe and just let it go out and then when you take another break, light it up again? If so, how do you store the partially smoked pipe? Or do you consider it not worth the effort and would skip smoking the pipe altogether? Thanks for the advice, Jeff from New Jersey. 
Uh, well, Jeff from New Jersey, as a former uh, cigarette smoker and somebody who still does enjoy nicotine from his pipe, uh, I I have my little bowl caps, and you can get those little windscreens. Uh, I load up a well when I'm out traveling, I I carry some four and a half inch, five inch long pipes that have like a group four size bowl, so. Uh, three quarters of an inch in diameter, one and a half inch in depth of tobacco chamber. Uh, and I will just, you know, go outside for 10, 15 minutes, puff on my pipe, put my little cap back on it, put a pipe cleaner right up it, wait a minute or two for it to cool down, and then throw it back in my pocket, and away I go. Uh, I find that the tobacco, if anything, or the, the, uh, the tobacco inside the pipe gets better oftentimes with a couple of relights like that uh one of those si- one of those size pipes i can you know sometimes have it out with me for the whole day and never have to refill it and uh, or reload it or clean it out uh and again i might just you know step outside for 10 minutes and then three four hours later get another break and go step outside um if if you're doing it because you want to be in with the cigarette smokers, be careful because <laughs> they've had, they've only got about three or four minutes per cigarette, and sometimes you can't get the you know you can't even get your pipe going in that time and cool down in that time. Uh, would I use a smaller pipe? You know, possibly if you just wanted to have something smaller in your pocket, but I wouldn't load a bowl specifically just for that time frame. I'd load the bowl like you would normally. Um, and again, you can look for the uh, the windscreen caps that are like two or three dollars, and they're spring loaded, and they just help keep the ash in. Uh, wine corks are perfectly good for plugging up a bowl. You may have to take a knife to them and trim them down a little bit, but you can stick a wine cork in your uh, in your bowl, and that'll hold it. Uh, you don't want to get a lot of hot tobacco near it, but. Yeah, you know, if that's the social thing that's going on and you want to hang out with everybody, go on out and do that. If you don't want to go out with them, stay in with them. Uh, If you have any comments or suggestions or questions, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page right there on the uh, forums. All right, rant time is coming up next. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. in the Wall Street Journal, the World Health Organization, the WHO, says tobacco harms environment too. Well, I didn't know that. Well, here's what the World the World Health Organization says. Smoking not only kills about 7 million people every year, but also has a devastating impact on the environment, contributing to deforestation, water and soil damage, and acidification. In a new report released Tuesday, a couple weeks ago, Uh, Experts warn that the environmental footprint left by tobacco production is comparable to that of of entire countries. It said producing the 6 trillion cigarettes made every year hurts the planet more than the mass production of food crops. Nicholas Hopkinson, one of the report's authors, said cigarettes should be considered an unethical product given its toll on the environment. Experts calculated that a single person, I like this, a single person smoking a pack of 20 cigarettes per day for 50 years is responsible for 1.4 million liters of water depletion. That's the end of the article. I don't know what they mean by water depletion, uh, but 1.4 million liters because one person smoked cigarettes. I wonder what a non-smoker is depleting in water each year. Um, as far as I know, the water stays here. 
it doesn't go anywhere where if you you know it does it leave the planet i don't know how it does maybe through the hole in the ozone layer but i drink about uh 70 ounces of water a day so that's what two liters a, a two liter bottle is right about that per day so maybe i'm overly responsible for water depletion although my doctor has said that i need to drink more uh, and then just regarding the uh, the death toll numbers, you know, 7 million people every year. Well, those 7 million people would probably die of something else, too. Yeah, cigarettes aren't good for you, but <laughs> I, I just love how the, the World Health Organization is now concerned about the health of the planet as well as the people on it. All right. Uh, comments or questions? Again, uh, Brian at PipesMagazine.com. Got questions on travel, planning a vacation, let me know. I'll be glad to help you out with anything you're looking at. If I can help you, I will. If I can't, I'll tell you I won't. Brian.Levine at mei-travel.com. Looking forward to seeing you all in uh, Vegas at the West Coast Pipe Show coming up in a couple weeks. And uh, thanks to uh, Sykes for being held captive with me and uh, recording some stuff. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Gandalf the Grey's pipe. Damn, no shit. Hello, little hobbit. Spark my ganja. <laughs> 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 <laughs>